This is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast. Learn everything you need to know to make a living outside the 9 to 5 grind and crush it at life. You'll learn from inspirational guests and in-depth discussions. Go from employee to entrepreneur and start creating a life you love and still pay the bills. So here are your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. Let's get on with the show! This podcast is sponsored by the University of Northampton, the first UK university to be awarded the Ashoka U Changemaker Campus status in recognition for their commitment to social entrepreneurship. What's up, powerful nonsenses? We are back in your ear holes and eye holes. And we're now American, it seems. Yeah, apparently. Anyway. Briefly. Just briefly. For a, a brief period. You've been watching the time. Super Bowl or whatever that was. I've been watching wrestling. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Um, welcome to episode 102 of Powerful Nonsense. Only 98 to go to 200. <laughs> <laughs> Counting down already. <laughs> um, for those watching on YouTube, you'll notice we still have our exceptionally creased backdrop. We are taking donations. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jem's fault. He did buy a nicer one and he forgot to bring it. Whoops. Calling him out. Never mind. Accountability. Accountability. Cheers, yeah. Wayne. So, so... Next week, if we've still got this shitty grease background, <laughs> just hit Jem up on Twitter <laughs> and leave him abuse. Say so sort it out. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we've got another interview episode with you today. Yeah. Uh, with David McQueen. What a dude. What a dude. And I, can I say it? That's a bloody cool name. It is a good name. I wonder. It's a great that must name. be his legit name, David McQueen. Yeah, McQueen is quite a. Well known. The director mm-hmm. is an Emma Queen. Steve, Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen, that's the one. Is a good name. Mm-hmm. It is a very cool name. Anyway, and he's also a cool dude. Mm-hmm. He's also a cool dude. Uh, so we got him on. He's a business mentor, business coach. Speaker. Speaker. He owns, has owned many businesses. different businesses in different fields. As yes. Well. Different fields. Accountant. Accountant. Studied law for a bit. Entertainment. Clubbing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we got him on to kind of talk about his experiences, talk about uh the experience of failing several times not paying taxes not paying <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe we should get like a the family fortune sound yeah, effect like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so we got him on to talk about all that sort of stuff about surrounding yourself with the right people and all those sorts of things a great interview yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. Loads of fun. So, and he was super energetic. Like, I can't believe somebody on video could be like, and he is like that in real life yeah. anyway, but even on the on the video, it's like mm-hmm. he wanted to jump out the video and mm-hmm. his energy just comes through. Oh, I should also say, actually talking about the video, to those watching on YouTube, this is our first video interview that we've done and we did have a few technical difficulties. Like the backdrop. <laughs> <laughs> the backdrop was the least of the technical difficulties. Um, so do bear with it. There are moments where we're frozen completely. Um, but yeah, uh, so bear with it and we'll work on it as we... So Wayne, it's not you just going out busking and you're doing like those where they stand still for as long as possible. <laughs> Mine. How are you doing? The human statue. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we've got David McQueen on, so we won't keep him, keep you, keep us keep waiting everybody. any longer. Here he is. David McQueen. So David, welcome to the Powerful Nonsense podcast. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here. Good stuff. So the question we wanted to open up with was, what was David's mindset when he was 18? Oh, when I was 18, 
I wanted to conquer the world. That was my mindset. I, I was fearless. I wanted to go out there and I actually wanted to be um, the equivalent of a P. Diddy, even though I didn't know P. Diddy at that time. I wanted to have my own <laughs> entertainment company. I wanted to be D. Diddy, all right? And I wanted to, I wanted to run my own entertainment company. And then I, um, I went off to uni to go and do a degree, a law degree. Um, Is that when D- Diddy died? Diddy died, man. <laughs> But D was still alive and I still was able to do my thing. I was still able to do my thing. But do you know what? I think from 18, I was really encouraged by my parents and my community that no matter what I put my mind to, I was able to achieve it. So I was like, no matter what happens, I'm going to just do it. I don't care. I went to do a degree for a year. Didn't like it. I was like, stuff that. I'm going to do something else. But I'm, I'm ready to take on the world. And, and my mindset was like, okay, I'm gonna, just going to go and do it. So what, what sort of things were your parents telling you then to have such a solid mindset? Because most young people are probably thinking the opposite. Well, my mum and dad wanted me to go to uni anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, very typical African-Caribbean parents, like, go and get a job, go and get uni. Um, it was interesting because my, my, my mum used to say to me, you've got to work twice as hard as a white guy to be successful. Wow. Mm. And my dad's like... You're just going to be successful. Uh, <laughs> slip me a copy of Malcolm X, but read that instead. You know? um, but it was, it was, it was very much about go out there and do what you're doing. You, you got, you know, you got a smart mind, you got a smart brain. You're good at being able to connect with people. So make the most of it and just do what you can. And that's kind of like been my mantra mm-hmm. from yeah ever since. And so obviously you went to um, university. And yeah. what made you decide if you wanted to get into entertainment? What made you decide to go for a law degree? I actually wanted to be an entertainment lawyer. Okay. So I, I, my, my whole thing was I loved law. When I did it in college, I absolutely, I was fascinated by it. I was fascinated by the arguments. I was fascinated by the fact that, you know, if you were uh, a lawyer in the music or entertainment industry, you were the one doing the contracts. You could, you know, arrange the events. I loved that kind of stuff. And then I went and I started doing this degree. And I started reading these big books about contract law and taught. I was like, no, nah, mate. <laughs> 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 I'm I stopped, seriously, second term in, I had to start wearing glasses. Oh, my. Serious. That's how deep it got. I was like, nah, because then I'm going to leave. Like, you know them big, thick, focal glasses? Like, <laughs> like, like the, the beer bottom got. So I did it, but then I, I realized I was, the joy that I had around it was gone. Mm-hmm. It was the joy. Right. I left. A lot of people get stuck in that mindset of uni, kind of where you kind of feel like, is it right for me? How come you managed to, did you manage to make that decision so quickly? And how did you kind of gauge that, okay, this wasn't for me? I, I think the only thing that stopped me, I, I, I realized about halfway in, this wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. And I was doing it and I was turning up to college and I was, you know, I was doing, doing really well in class and, and, you know, achieving really well. But the passion, and I like to do things with, if I, if I do something and I'm really excited about it and I'm passionate about it and, you know, it, it really makes my heart kind of like, go oh, right, I'm on this thing. Mm-hmm. If I lose that, I can't continue. Um, and and it's, uh, it's, it's, been a, it's been a benchmark for me full stop in life. If I'm doing something, I've got to be in it. My heart's got to mm-hmm. be in it. If I don't like doing it, I walk away. I can't. I just can't do it. I can't be 100% there. Mm-hmm. So I realized, as I said, halfway through, this isn't for me. And so I spent the rest of the half of the degree going, how do I tell my mum and dad that? Mm, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. as much as you work with me, I'm just not going to do this and I'm going to go out and get a job and I'm going to do something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just jumped ship and um, started working and I was actually, I actually started running my entertainment company. And I realized as well, actually, towards the end of my degree, I was making more money doing gigs 
then my professors were actually at the union. I was like, hmm, this maths actually makes hmm, sense mm. not to be here. <laughs> and uh, so, I, yeah, I just stepped away. I just so stepped away. what was it specifically that you think made you lose that passion for that side of things? I, I love the deals. I love the concept of deals. I love the concept of doing events. I love the concept of uh, uh, being quite, I mean, I didn't use the term entrepreneurial at the time, but to use the phrase, you being quite entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I looked and I thought, do I really want to sit down and just go through reading books and doing contracts and just doing that side of it? And I was just like, nah, nah, not for me. I just just sat down one day and I wrote, I wrote, um, I had a sheet of pros and cons what would it, how would it help me if I stayed here and what would happen if I left? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I wrote it down and I had, a, you know, this sheet and then I kind of had the list of all the stuff and then I eliminated it down to the top three for each. Right. What three pros were what the top three cons were. And uh, unfortunately, the cons outweighed the pro by a big mile. It was just like, I'm going to be miserable. <laughs> I'm just not going to enjoy this. I'm going to have to come home and paint my room black and start listening to weird music. I'm just not going to be my soul's not going to be in it. So I just said, nah. And I just shut it down and, and left. And obviously, once you made that decision, did you say you already had your business, your entertainment business already started? Was you already making money through doing that? Yeah, I was. It wasn't. I, I wasn't thinking of oh, world domination. I was just like, you know, look, there's a little bit of money. I can make a little bit of change. Let's see what's going to happen here. Let's see what I'm mm-hmm. going to do. Um, you know, I, I didn't have any kind of like global ambitions at that point in time, but I just knew that I didn't want to do what I was doing at the time. Mm-hmm. And was it that you decided that you wanted to go full in on the entertainment business? Is that where you went next? Um, I, I kind of did. And then I got into a situation where I realized I wasn't paying tax. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Nobody told me I was a woman the accountant. And, and I was like, okay, I ain't going to jail, right? Cause my dad, my dad's proper old school. He's like, if you ever go to jail, I'm coming to jail with you. I'm going to slap you in your head. And then when you come out of jail, I'll be outside waiting for you. And I'm going to slap you in your head again. And I'm like, okay, dad, you frightened the hell out of me. Um, and I had that thing stuck in my head from quite young. Straight, straight on to like, HMRC then. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, not, mm, I'm gonna do a little. I, I do. A, I prefer to do a Richard Branson and sweet talk them, but I'm not going to jail. I'm not doing it. <laughs> so I, I obviously I got my affairs in order. But what it meant is that I then I I really started getting passionate about finance, and and I became an accountant. And um, to this day, people still laugh at me. They go, "I can never believe you were an accountant." But I learned a hell of a lot around how businesses should really operate, around cash flow, around how people raise funding. Um, and, and it was, a, it, for me, it was a real, I put all my kind of entrepreneurial stuff on hold until I learned the real grassroots of what it was to financially have a, a stable company. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it all, whilst I moved and I was like, okay, I'm not going to be in this anymore, making that move to accounting, even though I know I wasn't going to be an accountant for the rest of my life, it was a great insight as to how businesses work. What you said already is quite interesting. I've been listening to a TED talk recently. It was about passion. And obviously for you, your passion was quite fluid. And I think a lot of people feel like they're going to find the thing and it's going to, that's it. Once they know that passion. So yeah, yeah. what would you say in terms of your, your passion started changing? What, what, what was there that made the accounting become something that now had energy for a new passion? Like how do you kind of gauge is your passion in a way? Well, it's interesting because I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite an advocate that people shouldn't necessarily base their career on their passion. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, look, if I'm good at painting, okay, and I love, I used to be, you know, I love art, I'm really, I love drawing and painting, I love photography, and I'm passionate about it, but do I want that to be my career? Well, no. 
And what I did is I flipped it back. Rather than thinking of it in terms of a specific skill, I thought of it in terms of service. Mm-hmm. So my passion has always been being to serve people. So when I ran my club events, it was making people happy, coming in, having a really good night of music. When I ran my accounting business, it was being able to take the stress off people managing their, their finance. When I ran my IT company, it was being able to go in and, uh, and support and provide uh, you know, strong support IT services that take that pain away. Now, running my training company, it's going in and helping people to either set up their businesses and do it really well, or to be able to commute, communicate really effectively. Mm-hmm. And that for me, that passion for me is about serving others. And serving others, because I know I have that expertise, um, is what my real passion is. And I've realized all along, it was, how can I serve others? How can I communicate that very well? And how can I get them to communicate? And that served mm-hmm. me in every single career I've had. Yeah, I think it's it's becoming actually quite a common thing that I'm starting to hear mm-hmm. of uh, this almost anti-passion movement, which is yeah. this <laughs> don't don't base your career based on your passion and stop yeah. stop hunting for your passion. And actually, mm-hmm. maybe the best thing to do is to base your career based on what you're actually good at as opposed yes. to what you're interested in is yes. becoming quite a common, a common thread. Yeah. Um, and I think the, uh, it was art of charm actually. I think you've listened to this same episode, Jem. It was talking about this thing called, uh, Oh, what was it? Something capital career, cap- career capital. Mm, not too sure. So it was basically you get so good at a job yeah. that then you end up moving that, that job then starts becoming a career. And if you yeah. suddenly go, Oh, hang on, I'm not passionate about this yeah, and yeah, then yeah. switch yeah careers you mm. then have no career capital no leverage at all yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but yeah. you've actually shifted quite a lot yes. how did you handle that particular challenge <laughs> which i know is a big like curveball am i am i allowed to use any strong words on this of course you can i do it all I the just, time i just didn't give a shit i just <laughs> didn't give a shit that's what it was i was like this is my job this is my life i just don't give a shit i'm gonna mm. change if i want to change i'm gonna stop. this is my third career move um and now I'm, 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 I'm doing what I do in terms of training, but I've actually started to think of something else as well that, you know, in about four or five years time, I wouldn't mind doing something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at the core of it, and I think this is what, this is what for me has driven me. And I, I realized this was subconsciously happening all the time. I've always looked at something that would support my lifestyle. Yeah. So my family come first. I don't care, but whatever I'm, uh, there's a lot of people uh, who want to make loads of money and blah, 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 blah. I'm cool with that and I've got no problem making money. But if I have the opportunity between spending quality time with my family and making lots of money, I will always choose my family. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's kind of like driven the flexibility around what I do. So I know, look, I crashed and burned on one of my, co- well, two of my companies. I crashed and burned on my accounting firm and I crashed and burned on my IT company. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Let's get back up and let's start, let's start again. Mm-hmm. Because I know that when I serve people, that stuff is excellent. I mean, I haven't explained it in full, but you know, one of the things I do as a speaker, if I'm standing in front of an audience and I'm sharing some stuff and I'm making people laugh and I'm making people think and I'm doing non, you know, unpolitically correct jokes and you know, talking about <laughs> a lovely chocolate skin in front of people and they're going, oh my God, he said chocolate. And I'm like, yeah, get in there. <laughs> and, I'm, you know, and I'm doing stuff that kind of, disrupts people but then I look in the audience and I see people making notes mm-hmm. or taking notes on their phone I'm like I'm good I'm good and for me again it is really it's about that service so even when it's switched I mean I'll tell you one now I don't care because I'm going to go out this is going to happen sooner or later but I'm really looking at angel investing at the moment mm-hmm. because 
uh, whilst I don't think that enterprise would save the world, I think that there's something about being able to be in a position to give somebody a grand or, you know, 200 grand or what have you, uh, and seeing how they take ideas and concepts and take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, whilst I'm working with individuals, I'm really doing my homework and really understanding what it's like to be an angel investor. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that I'm going to switch careers and be an investor in four years? I've got no idea, but I'm really interested in having started my own company, having helped people to raise finance. I'm trying to go, what would it be like on the other side of the table, having a look at people with really good ideas and take it to the next level? And again, it's about that service. It may not happen, but it's something that really interests me because it is about serving people. And in terms of you, you yourself being an investor, what would you kind of look at in, in somebody? I would look at, firstly, I would look at the person. I want to know how excited you are about doing this stuff. Because there are some people, I've, you know me, I, I, as, a, as a pitch coach, I, I stand in front of some people and they, they've got these brilliant ideas, but they're so dour, they're so dry. You know, it's like, people, they, 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 I've got this thing that's going to revolutionize the world. I'm, you know, I'm going to take this technology and it's just going to, I'm like, seriously, this is the kind of energy, bring it to me. <laughs> bring me that energy, tell me how you're going to do it. I want to just shake them up. I go, smile. And people are like, they're kind of like, oh, like, no, probably smile. That's because when you smile, you bring a different kind of energy. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm looking at the person first and foremost. But secondly, I'll be looking at the product. And I think a lot of people go out there and they pitch ideas. And I just, I've got no problem shutting people down straight away and just saying, that's crap. It's really crap. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I know it might dent your, 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 your whole life if someone says that, but I prefer to tell you now than you wasting your time trying to pimp that idea to lots of other people. Mm-hmm. However, even if I tell someone it's crap, I will bring it back out and go, okay, but here's how I think you can improve it. How many people do you think, with what kind of traction have you got? What kind of marketing are you looking at? Have you done the research for the actual size of the market? And if you're looking for investment, no one's going to invest you if you're only going to look at it for two times. They're looking at five, ten, a hundred times mm-hmm. investment on return. That's what they're looking at. Mm-hmm. If you haven't got that, then keep it as a lifestyle company. Keep it as a bootstrap company. But if you want to do it as a startup, you're only going to really get investment for people who are looking 5x, 10x, 100x to mm-hmm. invest in the company. If you don't do that, then you're wasting your time. And I know that's harsh, but I don't care. <laughs> it's true. It's about delivering the shit sandwich, isn't it? Listen, I'm not even giving you, I'm not even bringing the bread. I'm just giving you the shit. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't coming the bread. Here's the shit. And now come, let's go and start and do this slightly different. And, you know, but, yeah, but, yeah. But again, as I said, I'm not going to do it to dent people's hopes. Of course. Because I think a lot of people hype people. You know, entrepreneurship is really hyped up. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of too much hype that goes with what's really, in, you know, the hard work that's involved in it. And I'm like, let's have the harsh conversations now. Let's have the react. Look, you can go to a conference and take a picture with Richard Branson all you want. Okay, listen, I got five pictures with him. I'm keeping it real. <laughs> all right, I'd say guilty is charged for you. <laughs> listen, I, but, I, but the thing is, it's intentional. Is it one for each business? If I if I am a pitch coach, <laughs> and you see a picture of me with Richard Branson talking to him, not just standing and smiling, but talking to mm. him, you know that I'm talking. I'm talking my shizzle, and I know I'm talk- <laughs> talking. If it's just me and him doing the selfie, what the hell's that? That's rubbish. Uh-huh. For me, Focus on how you're going to make income, what's that market, what's the size, who are the individuals you're dealing with, who's your team? Because you can't, you're not going to get that kind of investment. An angel is never, or, or a VC is never going to invest in you if it's just you on your own. Mm-hmm. You have to have a team around you and taking it to the next level. So for me, yes, it is that harsh conversation, but also the realization before you pitch or before you take it to the next level, make sure all your ducks are lined up so that if somebody comes and asks you the question on you, bang, 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 you've got an answer for every, every, every shot that's taken at you. 
Mm-hmm. Definitely. I just want to take a step back to what you said about so, lifestyle business before. Yep. And um, I think that's one thing that a lot of young people miss out on. I think you kind of get so drawn into this mentality that you just have to work nine to five. And I think what kind of advice would you give to someone about how to kind of assess the kind of life they want to lead? Because I think people do it backwards. They get themselves stuck in jobs they hate or maybe working yep. too much, but then they can't take go backwards. What kind of advice would you give to a young person to kind of be able to set, well, this is the kind of life I would like to lead like you've yeah. done obviously for yourself and then how to move forward from there to build maybe the business around the lifestyle. Yeah. I think the, the difficulty is when you're young, you never know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I, you talked about when I was 18. When I was 18, I wanted to rave. I wanted to rave every night. That's why I built a raving business. That's why I built anything. Because <laughs> then I have excuse. I get in free. Okay, I can go and rave. Um, <laughs> and I think when you are younger, the, you're, still, you're still learning and you're still developing. So my biggest thing is, look, Think of things that you'd like to do and places that you'd like to explore uh, and realize that it may change. But while you're in the moment, see what you can do around it. So for me, I always have this thing that I plan my holidays first and then my work gets built around that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, I know a lot of people who are in, in work and they, their holidays are determined by their employer. I think mm-hmm. that sucks. Apart mm-hmm. from Christmas and Easter or whatever, that kind of really sucks. For me, I believe that if you if you start the year, you know, when people do New Year's resolutions and all that kind of stuff, I said, look, whilst I'm not into resolutions, plan out your holidays, plan out the places you want to go and the things you want to do, and then work your way backwards from that. Now, how if I'm going to go on holiday, or if I'm going to go to a museum every weekend, or if I'm going to learn French, or if I'm going to go and go and do rally car driving or something like that, how much is that going to cost? Mm-hmm. And and if that's how much it's going to cost, can I do that if I'm studying? Have I got enough much money if I'm going to go and do my own business or if I'm going to work for myself? How much do I have to do that? And a lot of people, they like jump into you know entrepreneurship. And sometimes I say, do you know what? It might be actually better for you to learn some stuff first. Learn a bit around what it likes. You know, get a good mentor or go and you know even take a, a short internship or go and work in a company just to see how it works first before you actually go and jump it on your own, uh, jump and do it on your own. But I would also, I would always say. Just try and explore what it is out there. Never be afraid to make mistakes and recognize it will change and then start to build it from there. But have conversations with people who have been there before that as well. You know, mm-hmm. people who have built their businesses. I'm, I'm forever just talking to entrepreneurs. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to people. And I go, tell me how it's, how, it, how it's done for you. And some people are quite shocked. They're like, well, you know, you're 46. Yeah, obviously they don't say that. Cause I'm, well, there's some do when I tell them my age. I go, 40. Why are you asking me? I'm like, I'm always intrigued. I learn from youngers, I learn from my peers, I learn from olders. I'm always intrigued as to how you do it because for me, your experience will help me as well. Mm-hmm. So never be afraid to ask questions. Yeah, and I think it's, there's also this uh, fear, I think, for young people. I have it myself even now, even though I've learned this the best way possible, is there's this fear of asking people for help yeah. so often. Um, yeah. and, and I think really like most of the success that I have had has come from when I've gone to somebody, oh, what do you think of this? Yeah, and then they've gone. Oh well, actually, I could connect you with so and so, or we could sort this out. And actually, I've got some some resources that I could put into what you're trying to achieve, and and things like that. And I think there's yeah. so much power in making those connections that I think people really underestimate the value of just asking. Yes, yeah, and 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 asking clearly as well. I'm I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of oracy. Okay, so I say to guys. Just think, you know, I don't want you to come up to me like, basically, like, you know, I started my business, like, you know, and I got some red beans, like, and I, now nah, I'll, I'll stop you. I said, mm, yeah, let's, let's bring it back. Specifically <laughs> what you're looking for and, and what you're asking about. And I also say to young people, what value can you bring to me? Mm-hmm. Because 
I get asked, and you probably have seen this, I get asked every week if people can come and meet me for coffee. Mm-hmm. And, and I got to a st- an extent where I go, okay, they say, I want to pass this business idea past you, and I want to meet you for coffee. And I go, okay, that'll be 500 pounds. And they'll be like, what? And I go, 500 pounds. Because if you can't spend 500 pounds investing in the future of your business, then why are you asking for my time? Mm-hmm. And obviously some people, get they, they're really thrown by that. But then what I've done is I want people to understand the value behind it. Mm-hmm. There's a value, you know, um, of, of being able to have a conversation with somebody with experience. So then you start to think differently. But I'll be honest, you know, I don't, for kids who are in school, obviously I don't do that. Like that's just, that's just, <laughs> it's just child, like, child exploitation. That'd be just really I will weird. have all of your pocket money for the next 10 years. That's right, for the next 10 years. <laughs> but, <clears throat> but what I do, as I say, if you're going to ask me a question, you've got one opportunity to ask me a question. And what I do sometimes with students, if I go into schools or colleges, I go, right, you've got half an hour with me, and I want you to ask me a sensible question around business or around your career. You've got half an hour, I'm here. I want you to fire away, and I want you to make notes, and I want you to take the notes that I say and make, take action on them. So I'll stand and I'll fire away. And you can see, I said, you, that, you haven't asked me the right question. I want you to think about that next question, and I will go, mm-hmm. and I will go around so people to start, start thinking, but then it also creates that confidence as to how you're going to ask the question as well. Mm-hmm. There but must yeah, be some. You have to ask questions. There must be some points where you've had to ask people a, a, ahead of you, and how would you kind of phrase that? How how do you kind of gauge whether it's a good question to ask someone else whose advice you want? Um, I'm I'm prepared to make the mistakes. I'm prepared. I'm prepared, listen, I'm prepared to ask the wrong question, and I like was that the wrong question that I asked? Because if it was, I could ask another one. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, I, I'll give you an example. There was a, a guy. I'm I'm, I'm not going to mention his name because we're we're not good mates now. So I'm not going to mention the name of the podcast. But he's a, pretty, he's a pretty, pretty popular guy. And I asked him to be my mentor. So I said to him, I said, look, um, I'd love you to mentor me. And um, so here's what I'm going to take you out for dinner. And, and I said, and I choose it. I, you ain't going Quaglino or something like that. I'm not paying a £200 for dinner. <laughs> but I'll take you out for dinner. And we had a really good dinner. Um, and, and I asked him to mentor me. And one of the things I learned is that I didn't ask him the specific questions around mentoring that I wanted to. So in the end, the mentoring relationship fell apart because I felt that he wasn't really bringing value and I felt that I was bringing more value to the relationship than he was. Mm. But I stepped back from it and as I said, I kind of like stepped back from the guy as well because I thought he should have known a bit better. But it made me realize if I'm going to ask you, like, like for example, if I want to create a you know, seven, eight figure company, when I sit down with that mentor, I'm going to be going, look, how did you take a business from zero to six figures to seven figures to eight figures? What were the systems, processes? What was the leadership style you had? What were the people that you had in place? And how can I apply it to my business if I wanted to do that? That's more of a specific question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, uh, and that's more of a guidance I want around that kind of mentor. So I have made mistakes, trust me. Uh, and I'm, you know me, I'm, I'm not afraid to... I've made a ton, I think I've made more mistakes than I have had successes. I'm going to keep that real. <laughs> but I've had to learn from them. So my questions mm-hmm. have got better. And um, I mean, if I can share just very quickly, I'm sure. it, there's, a, there's, a, there's a book I, I always recommend to people who I mentor. It's called um, Power Questioning. Um, we could probably do it in the show notes or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, by a guy called Something Siebel. I can't remember his first name. I should know. I'm always recommending the book. But the book is so important because the answers you get are shaped by the questions you ask. Mm -hmm. If you ask a powerful question, you get back a powerful answer. Mm -hmm. And and I think that for not just young people, but for everybody, if you're looking to progress what you do um, and and take it to the next level, 
it's about how powerful that question is that you ask because that's where you get the good answers mm -hmm. from. So you obviously mentioned you made some mistakes and you told us about some businesses crashing and burning. Do you want to yeah. share some of those mistakes? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll give you the the accounting one. I I was I was doing it really well and, and I wanted to sell it on um, to someone else and uh, I I I wanted to sell on the the concept to someone else. I had a bank of customers that I was working with, but I didn't take the customers on the journey with me properly before I was going to go and sell it. Mm -hmm. Then the then I started to back off. And the person who was going to go and buy it said he didn't want it anymore. And I basically lost the customers that I had because I effectively hadn't had a conversation with them effectively that I was moving out of the space to somewhere else and I was going to pass it on. So I shut that down and put it down to bad experience. But another one I had, my IT company, I was doing really well, wasn't saving, wasn't putting money aside. 9-11 happened. IT imploded, the dot-com mm -hmm. bubble, everything, that whole space, everything imploded. Mm -hmm. And I went from making a hell of a lot of money and living in a lovely, bloody house in Enfield to having to sell my house, closing down the business and having no money. Um, I had to eat humble pie. Mm -hmm. uh, it taught me in that instance that I needed a really good mentor and I needed a really good bouncing uh, board. And it also taught me as well that if I'm going to build a business that I need to um, spend less than I make. Mm -hmm. and that was a that I was making good money and I was balling and I was like oh my gosh cost what cost <laughs> <laughs> and then when it all came to a point where I didn't actually have that um, that cushion to fall back on it stuffed me and it, it you know it affected unfortunately I've got a really supportive wife who has been uh, a real kind of like rock and a pillar for me in terms of the way that I you know I do my business mm -hmm. but I know that there are other individuals who have been through situations like that who have ended up divorced or separated from the individuals who have lost the trust of their family. So I'm fortunate in that, again, as I said, because my family comes first, we've been able to establish and have conversations with that around, you know, um, the support that I have. But man, it messed me up. I, I was walking around in a hoodie for weeks, like the same hoodie. And I, obviously I was still a youth worker and kids were like, Dave, why are you still wearing the same hoodie? Is that the only one you've got? I was like, no, times are a bit tough. But then it made me step back from it and go, right, okay, this is how I'm going to do things differently. Mm -hmm. And I've learned, you know, I've, as I said, I've, uh, I've lost another one as well. It wasn't, that, it wasn't that much big of a deal. It was just around some the, the practices that I had in that stuff. I, I reframed it and I wanted to, and I just shut it down. And I think, mm -hmm. to be honest with you, a lot of people will look at companies that have got shut down. And, and all it is is, I mean, if you really think about it, if you're running a business, you can liquidate it tomorrow and start a new one on the same day. Mm -hmm. All it means is, you know, as a company is not a, a, an individual, you're just looking at your business model, at the things you're doing differently, the brand you have around it, and you want to refocus it, mm -hmm. and that's all it is. So two went down the wall, and one I just rebranded, mm -hmm. but learned a hell of a lot from it as well. Mm -hmm. Great. And there's nothing wrong, and I say this now to all your listeners, there's nothing wrong in crashing and burning, yeah. because sometimes that's when you learn the best lesson. That's when you learn, you egotistic little prat, you have learned your lesson, you're <laughs> going to have your... Your leg kicked out from underneath you. Eat some humble pie. Mm -hmm. Eat it. Put some peanut butter on it, okay, or Nutella, <laughs> or whatever you like. But eat that humble pie and start all over again and recognize that, you know, if you are going to do the business, it is about keeping yourself level yeah. and recognizing that in order for it to be sustainable, you need systems, you need processes, you need cash. Mm -hmm. And that's how you take it to the level. We interrupt this Powerful Nonsense broadcast because we need to talk about our sponsor of the show, yep. the University of Northampton. Huge thank you to them for supporting the show. Now, the great thing about the University of Northampton, if you haven't checked them out already, is that they are a university 
that support students being entrepreneurial, setting up their own business and specialize in social enterprise, which is business with a social conscience and trying to do good for the world. So if you're thinking you want to get a degree, but also maybe set up your own business afterwards, these guys are the guys to check out. We are also alumni ourselves. We've been there. So we know what it's like. So check them out, northampton.ac.uk. All the information that you could possibly need is on the website. And a huge thank you to them for supporting the show. Also, one more thing. One more thing. (laughs) If you are just starting out with your, your business, there's a problem that you're likely facing, which every entrepreneur faces at the beginning, which is they have to pay the bills. So they've probably got a job, a day job. And then they've also got this business that they're trying to get off the ground, trying to make a profit, which hopefully one day will actually pay their bills for them as well. But there's always this challenge of juggling the time commitment and haven't got enough time and I get home from work and too I'm really, tired, really tired, tired and I can't put all the time in to get this business going. It's not going anywhere. We have decided we're going to give you a little bit of a helping hand with that. We put together a little ebook, which is called How to Make Time for Your Side Hustle, which yep. is available at powerfulnonsense.com. Head on over there, pop in your email address, and we'll ping it right over to you. Free. Free. Free of charge. Free. <laughs> so head on over there and get your copy of How to Make Time for Your Side Hustle. Back to the show. You talk about, um, you know, having to eat that humble pie and these businesses breaking down. Um, could you just talk us through, like, where your mindset was initially that first time that it happened? When you was in the hoodie, wondering about. <laughs> one when I was in the hoodie, it, it, that one, because that was the second one, that one, it broke me. It broke me. Mm-hmm. It really did. Um, because I'm, 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 I'm a quite, I would say that I'm quite a confident person. And there's mm-hmm. very few things that will, will um, you know, will fade me or jade me. But going um, to organizations and asking for, or, or, or walking through a door and, and asking for business, Whereas I was used to walking into a company and getting people saying, okay, Dave, we'll get you to come and do our networks or we'll get you to come and do our database and support. And people saying, well, we don't have the budget. We have no money. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming from a place where you're making you know, six figures and above and, and someone goes, uh, there's nothing. And you'll have to go back home and, and look for a job. You imagine making six figures and you go out and you, you have to find a job and you know, the job's paying you 32 grand a year. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. I'm like, I was I was making that money in a, in a couple of months and now you're going to tell me it's my annual salary and you've got to kind of think. Mm-hmm. But what it did for me is that I, for me, the, the priority was making sure that I had food on my, um, on the table for my family mm-hmm. and my ego could get put to the side and it gave me, you know, as I said, when that one went down, I spent about another three and a bit years doing, um, working and doing some projects and consulting in, in organizations before I went back out again. Mm-hmm. So I had a four year window where I wasn't the entrepreneur, whatever that means, but working for individuals and really starting to learn my lessons and pick it back up again. And then four years after that, I just jumped back into it and started doing it. And I've been doing it for the last, um, 12 years now. So when did that one go? I was, I was 30, I'm 46 now. My company crashed when I was 32. Mm-hmm. And then I worked till I was 36, 35, 36, and then I've just been doing my own business for the last 10 years. So yeah, you learn from it. And it was, it was horrible. It was horrible. And I think a lot of people don't realize that about entrepreneurship. Sometimes, no matter how cocky or confident 
or bold that you look to individuals. Mm-hmm. When you go home at night and the shit hits the fan and you've got to cover them costs and you're looking at that bill and you're thinking, shit, uh-huh. <laughs> I haven't paid the phone bill for two months. Or you're going onto the train and you're like, I hope I got enough money on my Oyster card. That shit is real. And, you know, I'm, no, I'm, I'm really fortunate in that even when I went through that bad patch with my business, I will say that my kids have never, ever gone without having food on the table. And I've had family and friends and people to support me and made sure that stuff was covered while, you know, I was able to stand back on my own two feet. But those times where you're worrying where the money's coming from, that can be really daunting. That can be incredibly, Mm -hmm. incredibly daunting. And it happens all the time. You know, you can see, even with big companies, like, you know, the... uh, I'll I'll tell you quite frankly, I'm going to be very honest because I think sometimes entrepreneurs need to do this. Listen, in December... I was due quite a lot of payment for bills and I didn't get paid until January. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I had some, I had some ideas for my girls for Christmas. Uh, and, and I had to post, I said, you've got to wait till January. Yeah. Mm-hmm. January came. Listen, I, I went through Christmas or whatever. January came, they got their presents, they got their stuff. My daughter got some driving lessons. So she's always going to think I'm buff anyway. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> the, but the reality is at that point in time, in terms of the business, it was important to keep the cash in the business and not take it out. Yeah. But then when the payments came in in January, it was fine. And you'll see, you know, whichever way we look at it, some of the biggest companies in the world, have, you look at RBS, look at Barclays, look at all these huge companies that have gone to the wall because somebody didn't manage their cash properly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got all the, the, the stories. Look, there's a big story at the moment about Theranos, the, the big um, drug company in America, you know, big unicorn Everyone's saying this is a, you know, absolutely brilliant you know, blood test, just take it on your finger and everything's fine. But because there was a, um, an issue around integrity with what they've done, they've lost their whole contract, which was a massive national contract with Walgreens. That's going to hit their bottom line big time. Mm. They've got to regroup. They'll probably have to start laying off staff if things don't turn around. The reality is, is in business, you're going to have highs, you're going to have lows. And I think what we need more in that entrepreneurial space is honesty and, and talk about the conversation as to how you go through that. So my friends helped me through it. Um, as I said, uh, there were individuals who I talked to. They, they helped me to reaffirm my confidence. There were young people I was working with who I had conversations with as well. And they kind of re-inspired me to go, let me get up and go and do this stuff again. But when that stuff happens, man, no one can talk you out of it. Mm-hmm. You want to just walk down the road and punch a tree. I was going <laughs> to say punch a person, but I don't want to give that kind of encouragement. But you want to punch a tree <laughs> You know, or go down the road screaming or something like that. That stuff happens. Yeah. And that's part of the journey. But I believe having people around you who are fully supportive and go, right, you know what? The crap that you're going through today isn't the bigger picture. It's only mm-hmm. a small part of it. Let's get up and let's get on with what we have to do. And what was the thing that kind of ultimately was the the uh, catalyst to make you go, right, I can do this again? My family. I wanted to provide, I, I provided for my family before, I wanted to provide for them again. I wanted to make sure there was a roof over their head, I wasn't worrying about putting food on the table, um, I wanted my girls to have the best educational opportunities possible to them. And I was like, okay, so I've got all this talent, people keep on telling me I'm a good speaker, I'm a good network, I'm a good trainer, um, I've done this stuff before, why don't I make that save you into doing that? And so I started doing more training, I started doing a lot of project management training and what have you, and I realized I, I really like doing this, I've always mm-hmm. been speaking, I can get a bit of money for it, let me do this, let me go out there and pick my way. So I, I remember I was working specifically in the youth sector. I phoned, I got a list of 480 schools in London and I picked up the phone and I called every single one of those secondary schools. I said, hi, my name's Dave McQueen. I'm a youth speaker. I can come in and I can inspire your kids. 
I can help them with their exams. I can give them blah, blah, blah. 40 out of the 480 came back to me and said yes. Wow. Wow. But 480, I was on the phone. Like, firstly, I picked up the phone. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> and I was like, if you call, you not only can put peanut butter on your sandwich, you can put Nutella and jam. <laughs> I'm going for the jam calls. I'm calling them up. My name's Dave McQueen. And by the time, you know, by the fifth call, I'm in a rhythm. Like, hi, my name's Dave McQueen. You know, I was on television. I was on Channel 4. I was a presenter. And I can come in and I can inspire your students and da-da-da. And I kept on doing it. And then I realized that, you know, I remember I'd been to TED. And I was like, I've been to TED. And I've been on Channel 4. And, I, and I, all of a sudden, the rhythm started going. Some people were like, who the hell's TED? What's TED all about? But anyway, <laughs> I got through it. And as soon as I started doing that, then my reputation started to build, mm-hmm. started networking. And for me, that's when the confidence started to come back because I realized I've got these skills, I've got these talents. People will exchange money for the value that I bring and let's go for it. Let's mm-hmm. go for it. Yeah, I definitely think the um, confidence plays a massive part in how much business you get because as soon as you start doubting yourself, then suddenly you sell terribly or you don't sell yes. at all because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've, you've, got to, you've got to believe. You've got to believe in your own hype before anybody else does. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, uh, I was listening to um, Brad Burton, uh, uh, um, a guy who runs 4Network, and he said, you know, he, he positions himself as the UK's number one motivational speaker. I'm like looking at him like, bruh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he said the reason he said that, he did it as a joke. And he said, but people now refer to him that way. He said, you know, but he, the reason why he did that is because Muhammad Ali called himself the greatest. I am the greatest. 15 times I have told the clown what round he's going down, and this chump ain't no different. He'll fall in eight to prove that I'm great. And if he keeps talking jive, I'm going to cut it to five. He said, I call myself the greatest even before I was the greatest. He said, was he the greatest boxer? He said, whether he was or not, people still see Muhammad Ali, and they call him the greatest because he was confident enough to call himself that. Mm-hmm. Now, I won't go out there and I won't call myself the greatest, okay? Even though I know I am, okay? I won't necessarily go... <laughs> I won't necessarily go out there and call it, but I have that confidence about when I walk into a room, yeah. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be the best. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be the best me, at least. Because I'm not going to compare myself to anybody else. I'm not the next anybody else. I'm just the first David McQueen, as far as I see it. And for me, that confidence is what definitely opens a hell of a lot of doors. Hell of a lot of doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess it has to really be backed up because of the thin line between coming across with that ego that you said you might have had initially to actually yep. having genuine confidence. I think sometimes you you totally have to believe your hype also because then yeah you can't back it otherwise. <laughs> no, totally. If you, the thing is, if you go in, if you when you believe your hype, you have to believe that you can actually deliver. <laughs> because if you if you don't and i mean i've been i've been looking at the the kanye tweets online this week and i'm like okay i'm trying to make up my mind if this guy's just being very brazen or if he's just lost himself hasn't he asked mark zuckerberg to invest in him something like that no (laughs) to get him out of debt one of the google i mean the funniest thing for me about that is i'm like kanye haven't you done your homework Zuckerberg ain't on Twitter. He doesn't have a Twitter account. <laughs> but there is a, the fact is that he'll do that and he'll create attention. Mm-hmm. And I, I always look at it as intentional marketing. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, wh- wh- however you do it, or whoever you are, you have to have confidence that if you say you're going to deliver, you go in and you deliver it really well. And mm-hmm. you believe you're happy. You go, I can go and I can deliver it. I, I say, I can go into any room of young people and I can make them think I can make them laugh. I can get them to start. I, that's my thing. I can go and do that. Or I can say, I can go into a corporate space and I will be totally politically incorrect, but I will go in and I will challenge you about living life on your terms. I will yeah. do it. And, I, and every time I go in and I do it, I get feedback where people go, thank you very much. You actually made me think differently about that. And that's the evidence for me that mm-hmm. I've said it. I've done it. 
and I've got the feedback to prove that I've actually been able to do it as well. And that's that's for me in terms of hype. It is about that sense of self belief, but also being able to back it up. Yeah. And I think again, using Muhammad Ali uh, to use his phrase, he says, "It's not bragging if you can back it up." Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I know when you came in to um, be inspired when I first met you I think yeah. what people connect with you the most is that you've got a really good BS meter, meter and I think you actually say it exactly how it is it's what everybody's already thinking but are so afraid yeah. to say which is why it's kind of like a massive relief that you've said what everyone already is, is seeing or the kind of expressing themselves in that way yeah and I think I think we need we need that that reality it's like I'm you know I'm sharing with you you know shared with you some stuff that people would think oh that's quite intimate how can you share that stuff about the business not having your cash flow or falling apart and I'm like we're humans if we pretend like everything's glossy how do you get through that journey mm. you know I, I know that I, I know when I go into companies and I go I, I use a statement I know, I know you would have heard it already Jim but I, I, I use a statement where I go um, I know most of you are looking at me and thinking who is that good looking black guy up there okay <laughs> and I know that throws a lot of people out because firstly mm. They have to admit that I'm good looking, okay? And, <laughs> and secondly, they've got to get over the fact that I said that I'm black. And they're like, oh, God, he said black. Like, Come on, seriously? But it's, it's that honesty that I think takes us further. Mm. Because we do, I think we do work with people who have integrity and trust. Sometimes a lot of people don't do it, but it's not sustainable. And sustainable relationships are built around integrity and trust. And I know, listen, when I screw up, Okay, and people who know me, when I mess up, I will get on the phone, I will get on an email, I will get on Twitter, and I will go, Do you know what? I screwed up royally, I got it wrong. Mm-hmm. Please give me some feedback as to how I can do it better so I can serve you better. Mm-hmm. Please show me how I can help you do it. Because for me, what's the point of, of pretending like I've got it all, all the shit in, in order? Yeah, if I get the feedback from you and I can do it better, that helps you to be better, that helps you recommend me, that helps me to get more business, and we all win. Mm-hmm. Not afraid, not afraid to do that at all. And I know there are some people, and I know there are times where I've actually lost out on gigs because I have been very straightforward. I've gone into organizations. I've known, I'm not going to mention their names, but I've gone into some big blue chip companies. And I'm going, look, you've got all this branding stuff written on your board, but it's crap. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's crap. And I'm going to tell you as a consumer, it's crap because if you've got all that there and I'm walking into your store or into your bank or into your organization and you don't deliver on that, all that stuff you put up there is crap. So what are you going to do about it? And people are looking at me like, oh my God, that's not what we bought you for. Mm-hmm. We bought you to... And I said, nah, because that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And I believe that we just need to be a bit more honest about stuff. That's And that's how we communicate. That's how we connect. Yeah, and I think it's so... like brand, I find branding really, really interesting. Mm. Um, and I think it's so obvious when a brand is bullshit. <laughs> like when they're like, oh, you're going to have the best experience with us ever. And you're like, D- like dealing with you guys is hell. <laughs> yeah. And you're telling everyone that you're having the best experience ever. But actually the most successful companies are the ones mm. where they actually don't have to talk too much about the brand and what that yes, brand yeah. means. And people yeah. just identify with it straight away. Mm. I, just, well, I, know, I just find it interesting. <laughs> I, I, love, I love the Virgin brand. I love Virgin Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love uh, you know a lot of Virgin, but I am not installing Virgin Media as broadband. Straight up, I'm not using them. <laughs> Never. Okay? I'm not doing it because at the end of the day, I had a crap experience with them, and I'm not doing it again. And I love the brand. I met Richard Branson. Went to his house. He's cool, my brethren. Okay, I am not using Virgin Media. Straight up, I told him to his face. Uh-huh. I told him to his face because for me, I don't care how hyped it is. 
if you haven't provided a good service for me, I'm not going to use it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Simple as. You know, and I think there is, there is nothing wrong in, and I'm a firm believer of this, is just because I like you doesn't mean that I can't call you up on your shit. Mm-hmm. And likewise, if you like me, and I go and I do, if I come in and I go and do a speech, uh, or I do a program, or I do coaching, I'm mentoring, if you like me, and if you value what I do, you should never be afraid to tell me that what I'm doing, I'm doing something different, mm-hmm. or challenge me on feedback, because I open that. Because that's what I learned from. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say to people, using that analogy we used before about the shit sandwich, I always say to people, tell me what I did good, tell me how I can improve, and then tell me what was really memorable for you. Because mm-hmm. that's what I learned. Yeah, I think, I think people, people, people are too busy trying to sort of defend themselves to not look like a bad person. And we wrote, I wrote a blog recently about like that sort of hidden, the hidden caring criticism. And actually, I think the people that criticize you the best are usually you're probably the closest people you want to have to you. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally, and and, and I, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I think about all the my inner circle are people who have got no problems bawling me out and telling me that I'm doing something crap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'll give you a quick example, um, and I'm I'm smiling while I'm saying this now. My my wife um, challenged me on something uh, quite recently, and she properly like cussed me out. And I was saying something, I was like, well, yeah. she properly cussed me out, and I looked at her and I was like, do you know what? I was angry. I ain't lying. I had to go for a walk. Right? I had to go and steam coming out my ears and everything. Uh, and I came back and I was like, do you know what? That's actually right. She told me as it is and I need to go and do this and I need to go and do it very differently. And I ate humble pie and I went and I approached it differently and I looked at it and I was like, wow. All this time I'm sitting in my own ego being challenged by somebody who knows me and told me how to do it differently. Now I change it. The business benefits from it and I benefit from it. So if you're surrounded by people who are just yes men who are just going to support everything and, and pretend like there's nothing wrong. I think that's really problematic. Mm-hmm. I find the people who have got no problems. And, and I mean, I don't mean the problem of constantly criticizing because you've got people who are going to do that anyway. I'm talking about the people who will criticize you to the, to the extent that they're going to support you and take what you do to the next level. Mm-hmm. The next thing I want to talk about was obviously you have two young girls yourself. Like what are some of the advice you give to them? Obviously you go into schools and you, you help lots of young people. So yeah. that we, we believe that a lot of our audience is quite young people like, what are you passing on to your girls that you'd like more other people to hear? Um, first, of, first and foremost, be yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's, it's very difficult. It's very difficult as a teenager. To, when I say that to individuals, I know it's very difficult because when we are team, we're, we're always looking for peer approval. Whether we are incredibly shy or like me, whether you're an extrovert, we're always looking for peer approval. We're looking for individuals who are like us and, and want to... Um, we, we, we want to feel wanted, but be yourself. Because the, the, the reality is, is if you change for other people and then that person changes as well, that, that, can, that stuff can mess you up. And I, I knew that there were a lot of people who wanted me to stop being brash and loud and what have you. And there were times I would second guess myself. I'm like, am I too loud? I'm like, I'm like screw this. This is who I am. This is Dave McQueen. I'm a big mouth. I'm loud. I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be that funny, crazy dude who is going to be the life of the party, but also likes to have my time where I don't want anybody around me. Mm-hmm. You know, my family will tell you, I can be the life of the party, I can be out there, I can be doing my stuff, but when I want to be on my own, don't talk to me, don't call me, don't text me, I want to be on my own, shut it down. Mm-hmm. But be yourself. And the reason why I say that is because there's a lot of pressure for um, young people, like, you know, especially with social media, getting likes and tweets and favorites and Snapchat followers. There's a lot of pressure to be liked. And I always say, just first and foremost, be yourself. Second one, don't be afraid to make mistakes. And that's very difficult because a lot of students are under pressure to do really well academically. Um, 
and they're going to get pressure from parents. And I know even as a parent, my kids are under pressure to do well as well. Because if I'm a dad going out there telling kids to pass their exams, they bloody well better go and pass theirs as well. Um, and don't never be afraid to make mistakes. And, and, and thirdly, just just have fun. I think have fun. You know, you can't. You're a teenager. You're not an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of adults want teenagers or kids to be mini adults. Screw that. Be a kid. Go and make mistakes. Go and do knock down ginger. <laughs> damn it to hell do you know what I mean go and dodge a fear on the bloody ch- I'm, okay, I'm not encouraging people to be criminal but there's so many things that adults forget that they did when they were younger and they're trying to get kids to be these perfect stuff I go nah because you don't know this stuff and just work it out just work it out but the fourth one which is most important for me as well is just just um, recognise that friendship is fluid and some of the friends that you have now are not going to be the ones that you have in two, five, ten years time Friendship is fluid, but be the best, be the kind of friend that you want people to be friendly to, to you about. Be that, be that kind of friend that you want somebody to be your friend. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, people will be um, um, attracted to you based on that, um, on that friendliness. But, you know, just be the best you. We're going to start wrapping things up. Obviously, the That's podcast cool. is called um, Powerful Nonsense. Yes. Uh, I was just wondering, what is the most powerful piece of advice you've ever been given? And what is the biggest load of nonsense you've ever heard? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the, the, the most powerful the most powerful bit of advice I was given uh, I think was by my dad and, and he said look Dave I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it really clear to you he said there are going to be certain labels that people apply to you they're going to call you loud they're going to call you a black uh, black guy they're, you know, they're going to talk about your, your background or what have you he said but the the one thing I'm going to tell you now is that regardless of your race, your gender, where you come from, where your parents come from, you have to make a decision about how you navigate through life. Yes, there's racism. Yes, there's sexism. Yes, there's prejudice. Yes, there are barriers to entry. But you have to make aware how you're going to navigate and how you're going to react to things in life. And for me, that's really important because there are going to be lots of things that you're up against and systems and and people interpreting things differently than you would, but you choose how you're going to respond. Uh, And my mum kind of like, kind of like complimented by that, by I'm, you know me, I'm if you've seen me online, I'm quite, uh, I love debates and I do it intentionally, but I love debates and I love being argumentative, not for the sake of it, but to be able to pull out information from individuals and form my own worldview. Mm -hmm. But my mum gave me a brilliant piece of advice. And she also said, you don't have to turn up to every argument that you're invited to. Mm. And, and those two pieces of being myself and also knowing when and to react for me are incredibly powerful bits of, of advice. In terms of nonsense, oh my God. Um, <laughs> nonsense is that you need a lot of money to start a business. That's bollocks. You don't. You can start with whatever. Um, and I think a lot of people are frightened by that. They think they have tens of thousands of pounds. And I mean, obviously, it depends on what business you're going into. But, you know, I did a podcast where I said you can start a business for 100 quid. You can go and set it up. And I think it's, it scares a lot of people away when they are told that you need lots of money to start a business. Mm-hmm. Um, the other bit of nonsense that I was given was a teacher. <laughs> I loved her. I really <laughs> loved her. She was my English teacher. But she said, David McQueen is very good at the written language. He's very good at poetry. He's very good at drama. But he talks too much. And he's never going to make a living from speaking. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> Look at me now. <laughs> Look at me now. <laughs> so, and I mean, I think she had good intention. I think she yeah. was going to try to be, but it was nonsense. It was rubbish. And and I think as adults, we've got to 
a great responsibility of being able to, to especially with the younger people, being able to check behaviour or being able to say, be aware of it, but don't try and kill people's dreams. Mm. Let them go and do it. You know, if, they, if, if it doesn't work out, at least they go and exploit for themselves, but don't try and kill people's dreams. <laughs> Definitely. And obviously there you just mentioned your podcast. If you could give our listeners a quick um, intro to what your podcast is about. I know you made a slight shift just yesterday. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, um, um, so Success Republic I, is about startups. And um, I'm, I'm primarily aiming at startups in tech at the moment. And that's, it's, it's only because I work, I do a lot of work in tech. It doesn't stop me from working. Again, as I said, my, a lot of the work that I do around enterprises is a lot wider. But for my um, for my Success Republic one, I just want to focus specifically on tech because I think it's a huge market. I think it's it's a space that shifts uh, or has a, the capability of shifting a lot of people's um, experiences and work. And that's where I want to focus it on. I want to start interviewing people in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean, and again, as I said, it doesn't mean that I won't be having conversations and, and other stuff with with other people but, just, but for my podcast itself i'm i'm moving it and and i've actually pulled my bloody finger out jen will be proud of me now i actually went and got my libsyn account nice one. Now, um itunes have uh, authorized me now and i'm going to start putting it on itunes so i can get the notes and actually start watching the, the digits as well so oh, it's cool awesome. good stuff good stuff great stuff cool um the other question we asked just before yes we do finally wrap up is uh, any book recommendations? Yes. <laughs> um, just one or more? Uh, Maybe a three. few. Yeah, a yeah, couple. Three. Okay. So let me give you my first one. My first one that I recommend to everybody is The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. Oh my gosh, that's my Bible. That mm-hmm. book is just, oh, you read that book and it just, I think too many people think too small. Mm-hmm. We look and we admire individuals who create billion-dollar companies or multinational charities or run organizations, but, but I think a lot of people think too small. Think big. The magic of thinking big, I think, is about thinking not, not small scale, but a lot bigger. I love that. My second one that I would rec- re- recommend is How to Win Friends and Influence People. I'm reading that at the moment. Absolutely love that book. Great. Whether you are an introvert or an extrovert, I think that book is just the Bible about being able to connect with individuals because, again, it is about connectivity. How do you connect with individuals and, 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 and how do you have that, that relationship that makes you understand how people see you and you understand how you can connect with other people for business and for social as well? And then my third one, which is my last one, which is my favorite business book, it's called The E-Myth. Um, and uh, the author's gone for me now, uh, Michael Gerber. Gerber, Gerber, I think his name is. Yeah. But the E-Myth, and for me, I, I don't care whether you're running a lifestyle or a startup um, business. The reason why I really love that business book is because it makes the difference between running a business and being self-employed. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people who want to go and start up a business, whether lifestyle or startup, but they, they are still self-employed and they still end up trading their money for time. Mm-hmm. What I love about Emyth is that it changes the focus from changing your value for money rather than your time for money, mm-hmm. and it places the emphasis on you being able to run the business rather than the business running you. Mm-hmm. So those might be the magic of thinking big, how to win friends and influence people, and the Emyth. So, okay. if people want to find you, uh, what platforms are you available on, or how do they find you? 
Um, they can find me, most people tend to find me um, on Twitter, so at David McQueen, or actually let me put this one in because I feel really sweet. If you type in David McQueen in Google, the top three results are me because that's how I roll. Great. <laughs> 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 awesome, great stuff. Amazing. Um, apparently on Google, the top three will be my Twitter, then my main page, and then my LinkedIn. So people, especially around business, they can find me a lot of my biz, purely business focused stuff on LinkedIn as well. But, anyway, but as I said, just type in David McQueen in Google. You can either connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, or on my actual page itself. Awesome. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for spending yeah, time with us this morning. No, it's a real pleasure. And thank you, guys. It's been, it's been, it's been a blast, and I really appreciate it. And trust me, I will, be, I will be, and I continue to do, promoting powerful nonsense. Oh, and, and I love it. Absolutely love you guys. And keep, keep doing what you're doing. It's brilliant. And I, I, as I say, take it to the next level. We need to knock them four-hour work weeks and all them American guys, we need to knock them off their pedestal, yeah, man. Yeah, right. So. Bit, 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 bit power. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> Rule Britannia. <laughs> That's it, guys. That was David McQueen. What a great dude. What a dude. And definitely, if anybody's on LinkedIn, get on LinkedIn because he puts some great content out on there. Like, I'm mm-hmm. reading it every every day. I think he puts out loads of content, mm-hmm. but it's all good stuff. So, yeah, if you want to keep up. He knows his shit. He's been through the uh, ringer a few times. <laughs> Is that the right turn of phrase? <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to ask David if he's ever been through the ringer. But um, <laughs> I don't know if he'll want to disclose. I'm sure that's the right turn of phrase. <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard of it. But anyway. It's not. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, he's uh, had many different experiences. <laughs> to be honest, everyone sounds more excited. <laughs> So, thank you, David, for coming on the show and explaining how you've been put through the ringer many times. Um, And, uh, yeah, so to those watching slash listening, do us a massive, massive favour. And if you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. If you're not on YouTube, go to YouTube and hit the subscribe button. Yes. Because this is new for us. Well, we're cranking out, like, two subscribers right now. <laughs> Me and you. Yeah, I think it is. On, 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 I reckon we get up to six if we put all our email accounts. <laughs> so please do hit us up on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, and help spread the word. And things will be changing. We've got loads of great ideas mm-hmm. for the video content. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually really excited. Yeah, me too. So um, for those on the podcast, also, thank you very, very much. <laughs> I just keep hearing your, your belly just making... I know, I'm really hungry, I'm sorry. Wayne's belly's just making all kinds of noises. I don't know if the mic is close enough. He's but... trying to get on the show. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe episode 103, interviewing Wayne's belly. If, if, you can't... <laughs> if you can't subscribe, then please send him food. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so thanks for tuning in. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to go and eat something, and uh, we'll catch you next time. See you later. <laughs> Your belly actually went again. Your belly's empty. <laughs>